these. So these are where the questions come from. This yeah. is where it stems from. This is what makes it fun. I mean, it's worth it to not get caught for murder. Welcome back to Creepy Campfire, your source for all things strange, the unexplainable, the infamous, and the mysterious. Here are your hosts, Jordan and Ryan. Hi, everybody. It's just Ryan jumping in real quick. Um, I thought I'd let you know I know Jordan's already posted it on the Instagram, but we now have a voicemail set up for the podcast. That's right. We're trying to make it as easy as we can for you guys. So if you have a story, if you just want to tell us how you feel about the show, anything like that, just call 916-359-9446. I just ask that you please, at the end of your message, let us know if we have permission whether or not to, to play your voicemail on the pod thank you so much guys and again that's 916-359-9446 thank you see you and welcome back to another of our little mini series that we like to do in october building up to halloween our creepy campfire stories little halloween combo that's right so jordan continuing with the theme what's another thing you love about the halloween season Mm, i mean i feel like it's the it's kind of the first one I mean, because we don't really do, we don't go big for Easter in our household, but, Mm -hmm. you know, we do a little something, something. We just don't really decorate or anything like that, but as soon as I... Even somebody, as somebody that celebrates Easter, it's kind of hard to decorate for. True. I mean, unless you got, like, kids and you're, you know, you're putting up, like, little fake grass and little fake eggs and stuff like that everywhere, Mm -hmm. but that's usually for the searches and stuff like that anyways, the the hunts. Um, But, I mean, October's where you get to bust out all the, you know, all the stuff you've been all of the storage space that you've had dedicated <laughs> to one day, you get to pull everything out mm-hmm. and you get to put it all up. And it's so nice house. to see that area finally empty for, right? for a minute. <laughs> for, you're like, how can I keep it that way? As long as you possibly can. And then mm-hmm. you're like, do I just trash it all at the end? No. Just set it all on fire. <laughs> yeah. I mean. It'll look better as ash. We're just, you know, we can sweep it away. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the fun of like decorating mm-hmm. is. I feel that. Is you know going to go to the dollar store and finding little hidden treasures there, and mm-hmm. spirit opens back up, and you can have well, slim pickings usually nowadays. But um, I mean, whatever you can, just mm-hmm. to get in the spirit of it, yeah. it's just fun. It's just fun. Yeah, now decorating is so much fun. I'm trying to figure out how to how I want to decorate our yard now that it's we've actually so got one. I don't have anything out there really. We had the little skeleton I, coming out above the. On both sides of yeah, it. Mm. looks like he's buried under the sidewalk. Yeah. yeah. Classic. <laughs> but it's also hard to have motivation because I don't know if trick-or-treating's going down. So it's like, I want to give the kids a good time, but if there's no kids to give a good time to. Yeah. Well, I was talking to my wife about that the other day. She was she mm. was like, uh, somebody on the radio, we were listening to like a radio show, and they were like, uh, you know, decorating at least inside this year. And she was like, we're decorating outside too. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. We'll see. How much? We'll mm-hmm. see how much, because I don't know. I don't know how much that's even going to get seen, or at least yeah. you know, um, appreciated this year. Yeah, do what we can. Yeah. So what about you? For me, hmm, motorcycles. Um, motorcycles. Love it. About the <laughs> Halloween season. <laughs> mm mm. Um, I think just the costumes. Mm-hmm. in general and not even so much like day of costumes actually that's not true when you see a bunch of like families and stuff running around the streets in their costumes that's a lot of fun i like to see it, people how they get creative with them i always like to to try to make one or at least make a part of it like maybe i'll buy one but then i'll make some stuff to make it better yeah um and it's always fun to like just cosplay go- your costume yeah 
and it's I just always have a good time goofing off in the in the costume section in Target and Walmart wherever you're at. Oh yeah, and and just seeing what kind of what's trending this year, mm-hmm. and just why is that there? Fortnite? Fortnite has been trending the last couple of years. There's so many, <laughs> so many costumes. Well, you want to be the llama? Go for it. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. But I think definitely the costumes is one of my favorite things. I but this year I don't even know what I'm going to be. Last year, my wife and I we always try to like do a, a, a couple's costume. Mm-hmm. We were Mike and Sully one year. We were um, Aladdin and the carpet last year. Yeah. And I can't even remember what we were the year before that. One year we were a monkey and a banana. Because I found a banana suit and I had to have it. Um, Bananas. Bananas. Um, B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so costumes are fun. Definitely. I, I, yeah, I don't know if we're going to go past. I mean, they're tr- they're talking about doing something where I work uh, as far as like everybody dressing up. But I don't know. Hey, why of. not? Even if it's only for you guys, like why not? Yeah. I just don't know night of. I'm like, I don't, if this is the one year that I don't necessarily have to go and not that it's not fun to invest in a costume and stuff like that. If you're going to wear it out to like a party or something when we mm-hmm. used to have those, uh, I just don't know if I'm going to invest in it this year. Mm-hmm. Getting something to, I mean, I might just throw one of my former masks on. Yeah. If I have any still, I don't know. Let's take a look. Well, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll probably just be here anyways. <laughs> Watching movies. <laughs> we'll play the game. Yeah. We'll play the game. Yeah. All right. I'll open us up this episode. Okay. This one, like the ones from the last one. Uh, all right. Uh, from OutsideOnline.com. Uh, and the story was written from, it was written by Drew Tabke. T-A-B-K-E. Drew, if I screwed it up, sorry. <laughs> the story starts on a nice day in peak ski season. Lola and her young son planned to spend the day on the slopes. As can happen in the Andes, a thick fog rose up from the valley, which often precedes the arrival of a real storm. The clouds enveloped the two as they were making their way down from the top of the mountain, and they lost contact with one another. Desperate to find her son, Lola began screaming his name, and she ran through the thick fog. Unable to see clearly, she stumbled down a steep slope and began sliding down toward the rocks. By chance, a local lift operator who was returning to his cabin came across her body. He was afraid she was dead, but upon closer inspection, he found she was still alive, just barely. Tap says her body was covered in lacerations from the sharp rocks, and the only word she said, in the faintest whisper, was her son's name. The lift operator worked carefully pull her body to his cabin, which was just up the hill. He bandaged her cuts as best he could and then ran to fetch the doctor. Together, the doctor and lift operator made their way back to his hut, the fog hanging thickly in the air. When they arrived, though, the bed was empty. Just bloody sheets remained. Neither the woman nor her son were ever found, Tap says. But locals report hearing her wail for her child whenever they're near that lift. Ah, that sucks. Yeah, pretty awful. So were they skiing or were they hiking? It sounded like they were skiing. Cause I'm like, I mean, I could see how that could happen pretty quick if you guys are skiing and then you end up losing eye contact or yeah. Yeah, it sounded like they were skiing, but yeah, she made kind of the hike for it. But I don't, don't run into fog. No, not the best idea. No, not going down a steep slope. Yeah, probably not. Okay, creepy, scary, sad, mostly sad. <laughs> um, okay, mine is telltale seaweed. 
Um, it's a Massachusetts ghost story by S.E. Schlosser. So, this begins, two sisters were motoring through Cape Cod late one stormy night in the early 1900s when their car broke down in an unpopulated area. Seeing an old, neglected house nearby, they went to the door and tugged on the, on the bell pole. When no one answered, they looked through a nearby window whose shutter was banging in the bitter wind. The, win the window was broken. Through the window, they could see a library. The dust lay heavy over everything. The women decided to take shelter for the night and find someone to tow the car the next day. They brought blankets in from the car, their, le their feet leaving tracks in thick dust. They brought blankets in from the car, their feet leaving tracks in the thick dust of the floor as they settled in for the night. Sometime later, they were both suddenly awakened. A bedraggled sailor, dripping wet, was standing next to the fireplace as if he were looking to dry himself before a non-existent fire. The sailor was glowing in the dark. The braver of the sisters finally called out a strangled, who, who's there? The sailor muttered something they could not make out and disappeared. Deciding it was a dream, the sisters lay back down to sleep. But the next morning, they found a patch of wet salt water by the fireplace and a piece of seaweed. And there were no footprints in the dust by the fireplace save their own. The sisters hurried out to their car. Soon, they were given a tow to the nearest village by, an, by a passing motorist. There, they asked about the abandoned house. They were told the house had been empty for years. The people who owned it had a son who was driven from home by his father who had, and had drowned at sea. The family had moved away because they claimed strange things kept happening, in, happening at night. A few months later, one of the sisters told her tale at a dinner party. A museum curator seated near her volunteered to test the seaweed for her. The curator sent her a message several days later. The message simply said that the seaweed she had found in the abandoned house was a rare type of seaweed only found on dead bodies. Bum, bum, bum. I, <laughs> I really need to work on that slowdown at the end there, eh? For uh, for the dramatic effect. So creepy. Mm hmm Ghostly. Mm-hmm. Kinda reminds me of, like the who is the you remember Sco Scooby Doo, the like the the diver? Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll just keep picturing the diver. I just wanna mm. A special seaweed that only grows that on only dead bodies. It only grows on dead bodies, though. Like, it feels a little lazy. But yeah, and you you hung on to that? Like, you took the seaweed with you from the house? I mean, if you and found then you showed weird it, like that. But, but you happen to have it on you a couple months later just, at a dinner party uh, to, a, show, I don't know where. <laughs> to show a museum curator? By the way, I got this vial. <laughs> it says months later. <laughs> I've been keeping this baggie on me for months. Uh, Could you help me out, Doc? Uh, that one, you know, at least that one's good for a laugh. I like that. All right, I got, <clears throat> I got a rather spooky one. Okay. All right, so this one, liveabout.com by David Emery. Once there was a nice old lady who had a lovely little dog. One day, the old lady heard on the radio that a crazy murderer had escaped from jail and that everyone should lock their doors and windows to keep herself safe. So she locked every door and window in the house except one tiny one to let some air in. She thought that a murder would never be able to get in one that small. So that night she went to bed as usual. She knew everything was okay because she put her hand down and the dog licked it. But later in the night she heard a drip, drip, drip. She put her hand down and the dog licked it. Figuring everything was okay, she went downstairs to check the tap. But the tap wasn't dripping. 
So she went to bed again and everything was okay. She woke up later in the night though, so she, she thought the dripping sound must be coming from the shower. She went to the bathroom and there was her dog, dead, hanging in the shower, dripping with blood. Written on the mirror in blood were the words, humans, humans can, can lick, lick too. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's creepy. I feel like whenever, whenever there's a story that, like, somebody's sure that a murderer couldn't fit through whatever. <laughs> you know they're going to pop You know up. they're dead. It's going to happen. They're gone. They're done. <laughs> it's like it's like the beginning of the scary movie when, when there's, like, the most popular kid or whatever or the one who's getting laid the most or whatever in high school. You mm. know that person's going down. First one. First, first one. one. <laughs> if not, then at least probably the worst. The worst death in the movie. All right, so we have the keyhole. A man enters a hotel and goes to the front desk to receive his key. Before he heads to his room, though, the receptionist tells him that there is a locked room on his floor with no number, and he is not to disturb it or try to look inside under any circumstances. The man finds this odd, but obeys her instructions on the first night. However, the man has an increasing curiosity about the room, and he notices that it has a fairly large keyhole. So he decides to take a quick peep on the second day. The room is apparently blasting some cold air as he can feel it on his eye, but he sees a hotel room just like his with a pale white woman sitting on the corner of a bed, her back to him. The man is still curious, but he decides not to knock on the door, proceeding to his own room. On the third day, he looks through the keyhole again, but this time he sees only the color red. He figures that the inhabitant noticed his spying and blocked the keyhole with something red. However, he cannot keep his gnawing thoughts at bay, so he goes to see the receptionist and confesses that he's looked into the room. After a long sigh, she tells the man that a man had murdered his wife in that room and her ghost still haunts it. Oddly enough, those people were not normal. They were pale white, but their eyes were completely red. That's fun. They're looking right back at him. That's looking right fun. back at him. Right, right, right. Ooh. Good, good. Good stuff. Yeah. Okay. A little chill there. All right. I'll, ra- <laughs> I'll, I'll round this one out with a, a, a lesson to not mess with Ouija boards, all right? Oh, God. On this, on Mash- As if anybody needs that. Right. On Mashable.com, uh, they've got a bunch of stories that they pulled from Reddit, Reddit users. Ooh, those are good. This one's called A Ouija Board Knocks Back. In high school, my friends and I were messing around with a Ouija board one night. We had done it before and nothing remarkable had ever happened. We usually did it to try to scare each other or our girlfriends. We all thought it was a joke. That night, there was no one else home except the seven of us and we were all together around the board. One of the girls wanted to try it. She had never done it before. This time was different. The board misspelled some of the words the same way every time. It gave answers that seemed really historically accurate for our town things we neither knew or cared about. Long story short, the, quote, spirit claimed it was a 10-year-old boy who had died on the property in the 1800s and was buried there in an unmarked grave. My friend's house was on a farm on the edge of town, they add. We were all a little freaked out because the board had never been so detailed and consistent. However, we were still skeptical, and we were all assuming one of us was trying to scare the rest. Finally, my friend asked if the spirit could do something to prove he was there with us. It went to yes, and then spelled out 
K-N-O-C-K. Then the planchette stopped moving. We all just stared at it silently, and then there was a rap, rap, rap on the window right next to us. The lights were on outside, and there was absolutely no one out there. We never touched the Ouija board again. Nope. <laughs> I wouldn't either. No, you don't mess Shouldn't with it. Shouldn't be messing them. with it anyways. No. You're asking. You're literally asking for trouble. Your friend comes over. Oh, you've never done a Ouija board? Okay, we're not going to. <laughs> good on you. Good. good. Good, good. Good call. You can stay here now. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> if you have, not allowed. Not allowed. Okay. Well, that's, that, was a, that was a good couple good little length ones. Yeah, yours particularly. I forgot. I've heard that one before. But I forgot about it. Which one? The red eye. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that'll do it for this week. Stay tuned. We'll have another one to get y'all a little bit more spooked out and ready. Yeah, yeah. But till next time, everybody, stay, stay toasty. toasty.